Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're talking about courage to possess. We're still in uh, this series of talks that we were talking about and, and I was thinking about it, trying to you know, move on and I was like, Lord, I've, this has taken a long time and I don't see an end to it anytime real soon and and he said, listen, stop trying to get through things and focus on trying to get it through. So in other words, not get through a topic, but is it getting through to me? Is it getting through to you? Is it changing my life? I can get through something and we can talk about it and bam, it's over, but is it getting through to us? Has it become revelation? I think there's a difference in, in uh, entertainment type preaching where we're just wanting to people love the moment, but am I digesting it where I'm becoming like that? And so that's why we're going to continue to stay, stay the course with what I feel like God's saying to us. So if you've got your Bibles, come on, we love the Bibles. The Bible here at the Rhodes Church, open them up to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Woo! Deuteronomy 31. Note takers are world changers. Sermon notes are available in the version Bible app. They are. They're in the app. They may not be on the screen, but they're not on the app. Notice the reference is all you have today. I'm going to slowly wean you off of the screen and onto your Bibles. People will be bringing their Bible. They'll actually be looking at their Bible, reading their Bible, highlighting scriptures, taking notes, marking things in them. Oh, what a vision I have of people bringing their Bibles to church. <laughs> I'm going to wean you off slowly. I still got some slides, so don't be nervous. It won't be, I didn't want to do cold turkey. Some of you would just go into shock. Deuteronomy chapter 31, you ready? This is all in fun, but, but yet serious. Verse 1 says, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Let me stop and pray here. Lord, I thank you for the reading of your word and for the anointing of Holy Spirit to teach it, for us to receive it. I just invite you to come, Lord. Open our eyes. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may see you clearly. I pray that we will have such revelation that things will spark in our heart and it will change us from the inside out. So we just open up to go wherever you want to go, do whatever you want to do, say whatever you want to say. We are with you, Lord. We're partnering with you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, for us to try to understand the kingdom of heaven and how the kingdom of heaven works, how the kingdom of God works, and this is important. I believe it is for a lot of people. I know it's a position that I have that if I'm going to read this Bible and if I'm going to be a believer, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, then I want to do the best that I can to understand his expectations for me and what I should be doing and what I should not be doing. Things that if I'm not working something well, if I'm not succeeding, I want to know why. I want to know why not. You know, I want to be inquisitive of God. I realize that some people are like, well, you never know what God uh, is doing. He's, he works in mysterious ways and all this stuff. And I understand that to a certain extent. I'm not trying to bring God down to my level that I can understand him completely. But I'm also not trying to walk around in just a confusion like I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I believe there's a system on how to operate that God gives us in the Bible. And I want to put that together the best that I can for my own life and hopefully 
it works for you as well. I, I believe it's important for us to embrace the roles and responsibilities that God set up in the Bible so that we can be the best followers of Jesus we can be. We're, again, we're not trying to build big churches. We're trying to build big people. We're not just trying to gather a crowd that's one inch thick in depth. We want people that are deep in their relationship with God. They, are loved, they love Jesus and they live for him all the time, not just on Sundays. So let's see what it looks like. There's a responsibility in this passage we're talking about. They're going in the, in the promised land. In verse 3, he says, the Lord God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you and you shall dispossess them. So in this, there's a responsibility on God's side that the people of Israel could not do without him, right? And there's a responsibility on the people of Israel's side that God refused to do without them. Put those two together. There's a responsibility on God's side that we could never do for ourselves. Amen? Yeah, I got one yeah. That wasn't that hard a question, I thought. There's a responsibility. <laughs> Let me rephrase it, maybe make it a little easier. There are some things that only God can do that we can't do. Right. right, right, okay, we're in agreement there. And there are some things that God puts on our end that he refuses to do for us because he wants to do them with us. It's not that he can't do them, he can do everything. Does he need me? No. Does he choose to work with me? Yes. So this is what we're seeing here. I believe the Bible shows us that this is still true today as it was in the time of Israel. Look what it says in verse 3. It says, the Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations. Underline the word destroy. Write this out in your notes. The word destroy. I still give you a slide for this definition. It means to decimate, to exterminate, to overthrow, or damage beyond repair. Whose responsibility was it to destroy? God's or ours? God's. People are nervous, so not, not how to answer. It says, the Lord God himself, he will destroy. So God's the one who's overthrowing the enemy. He's the one damaging them beyond repair. That's what he said. He would destroy the enemy. He would overthrow them. And here's what I looked at, the word overthrow. As God began to speak to me about this more, because I've already talked about this, and again, I was ready to move on. He said, hold on, there's something I want you to get. The word overthrow, or the, the, the concept of overthrowing an enemy in the word destroy means to overturn, to upset, to conquer, to bring down an existing power, to remove from a place or position of authority, to unseat. This is the one that jumped out at me. To remove from a place or a position of authority to unseat. And I felt him kept stirring that in my heart. He said, I have unseated your enemy. He said, when I say destroy, because when we think about God will destroy the enemy, we think that he's going to remove them. Like God destroyed all the enemies of Israel, so therefore our assumption is that the enemies were no more. But that's not how God sees it, at least according to the Bible, because every city they went to, remember, the enemy was still there, even though God said, I'll destroy them. So they were still there. So one would think if God's going to do the destroying, then Israel had nothing else to do for themselves. 
But God says, I'm going to remove them from a place of authority. I'm going to unseat them for you. I'm going to remove them from a place of authority, but you will still have to drive them out. So your ability to drive them out is already innate. In other words, God wouldn't ask you and I to do something he didn't equip us to do. So he's unseated them. He's removed them from a place of authority. And this is the same thing that God did for us through Jesus spiritually, that through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he unseated the authority of the enemy. What do I mean by that? Why do I keep referencing that unseating? Because prior to, if I go to, uh, um, yeah, let me remind you the verse of what Jesus did for us, 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What did he do to the works of the devil? He destroyed them. What does that mean? That means that he overthrew them. That means he unseated him. So here's what I wrote down. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. According to 1 John 3, 8. He overthrew him. He conquered him. He brought down his existing power. He removed him from a seat of position or authority. He unseated him. How did, you, how did the devil get in a seat of authority to begin with? Adam. In Genesis chapter 1, we talked, we talked about how God told man to have dominion and to subdue the earth. Subdue meant to overthrow, right? So now what happened in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they obeyed and yielded to the enemy. And when they yielded to the enemy, they now gave the seat of authority to the devil. Adam and Eve, by God, were given authority to sit in authority over the earth. So it said, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Read it. So they were to sit in a place of authority. Not authority over God. God's the one who gave them the seat. God put them in a place of authority in the earth. But what happened? Whenever Satan comes along and makes these suggestions and, and tells them these things and says, hey, did God really say, why don't you obey, instead of, obey me instead of obeying God? Now what happened? Adam and Eve, from their seat of authority, stepped out of their seat of authority and gave a seat of authority to the enemy. Now he was in a place of authority over the earth. How do we know that? Because when Jesus came and Jesus was tempted by the devil, the, the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I give these to whomever I want. How did he get that authority to give it to him? Because Adam and Eve gave them a seat. So now, man gave up the seat. Man has to get it back. God became a man. Jesus. Still son of God, but also born of a woman. So now because he was born of a woman, he has covenant rights to be able to have authority in the earth. To have authority in the earth, you had to be born in the earth to take it back. So now Jesus was born. Could Jesus just from heaven said, you know what, devil, boop, zap, you're out. He could have, but that's not how God works. So God works through his word. And so now Jesus had to come 
and destroy the works of the devil. So now Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven above and earth below. I am in complete authority. So now he kicked the devil off the seat of authority. He unseated him. That's important. Satan no longer sits on this place of authority. He's not in that position anymore. He doesn't have the ability anymore. So what did Jesus do with his seat of authority? Look at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 verse 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Do you see that? Satan fell like lightning from heaven. Behold, this is Jesus talking. He says, I give you the authority. Old King James says power, but it's the Greek word exousia, which means authority. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over, 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 how much? All the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you. Who are the spirits? I'm talking about demonic spirits. Who are the demonic spirits subject to? They are subject to born again believers. You say, well, I'm not one of those spiritual people. Are you born again, bought with the blood of Jesus? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Now every demonic force is subject to you according to the Bible. I may not feel like it's subject to me, but that doesn't make it's not. It is subject to you. Don't let the devil tell you that you're not one of those spiritual people, so therefore you are not in that position of authority. It is God is no respecter of person. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you sit in a place of authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Not because we gave ourselves that seat back. Jesus gave us that seat back. He kicked the devil off the seat and said, now my children are going to sit back in this seat that I created them to sit. So now the enemy is no longer over us. He's under us. Look what it says. I gave you the authority to trample, to trample on serpents and scorpions. If we trample on something, When we trample on something, can you trample on something that's above you? It'd be very difficult. I'm tempted to try it right now (laughs) for an illustration. I'm not sure how it would work in my head, but I'll pass. So let's just say you can't do it. When you trample on something, it's beneath you. You are above it. So I'm saying that for God to get it into our hearts that there is an enemy that has been destroyed or unseated by God. We could not unseat him ourselves. I could not do it. But God unseated him. Now that he's unseated, he says, now I want you to dispossess him. Look what it says. He will destroy the nations from before you and you shall dispossess them. Here's what the word dispossess means. It means to take possession of, to occupy to move in by how? 
by driving out the previous tenants and possessing in their place to expel them, to cast them out, to put out of occupancy. So now we have a role that God did for us that we can't do for ourselves. What is that? That's to unseat the enemy. He's not in a position of authority over your mind anymore. But notice what we have to remember. Just because he's not in a seat of authority doesn't mean he's not looking for a seat. How does he get a seat now? Same way he got a seat in Genesis. The only way he gets a seat in my life is if I pull out a chair for him. How do I do that? I do that the same way it happened in Genesis chapter 3. By agreeing with him instead of agreeing with God. He is not going to kick me off my seat. He can't. But if I give, get up and say, here, you can have a seat, he will gladly take it. How does this happen, Chad? Well, here's how it happens for me. I don't know how it happens for you. But it happens for me when I'm sitting here in my place of authority and he starts talking to me just like he did to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. And I start listening to what he's saying. And I start disregarding what God says. And I thought, I start thinking, huh, that makes perfect sense. You know what? You got an argument there, buddy. You got a point. I've been feeling the exact same way. Nobody respects me. Nobody appreciates me. I tell you what, you, you just keep gassing me up with some of that stuff right there. Does this sound familiar for you? I'm just talking about me. Remember, this is just my testimony. So I'm listening to this and I'm disregarding, forgetting what the Lord is trying to say to me all the while. So I keep listening to him and I say, you know what? I'm, I'm not only like what you're saying, I'm going to agree with your, what you're saying and I'm going to start acting in accordance with what you say. What happened? He offered them fruit. Did they have to take it? No. What? Did they lose their seat because they touched the fruit? Did they lose their seat because they looked at the fruit? They lost it because they obeyed him and made their, uh, their behavior start to align with what he said. God said, do not eat. The devil said, eat it. So what did they do? They ate, so they behaved. They began to obey according to the enemy instead of obeying it to God. So now when they do that, they get out of the chair and now they say, you can now have a place of authority. I'm gonna go ahead with that lustful thought. I'm gonna go ahead and say what I feel. I'm gonna go ahead with that fear. I'm gonna go ahead with that reaction and that, that rejection and I'm just gonna let you have a place of authority in my life. The devil's looking for a seat. And he's asking you and me if we'll give him one. And he doesn't show up going, I'm the devil. And I would sure love a seat inside your head. He never says that. He never does that. You know what he does? He whispers things that sound true. He whispers things that's going to feed our flesh. He whispers things that makes us feel better about ourselves. He, he whispers things that justifies us. Like, you know what? They did do that. They did say, I looked, oh, do you see them? Do you see the way they looked at me? They've been like that for a long time. Oh, boy. And what am I doing? I'm listening to him. Am I listening to the word of God? No. Nope, I'm not. I'm not listening to him. So now I keep listening to him, and something else happens, and that dog piles on top of that, dog piles on top of that, and all of a sudden now he's got a big case. He's presented to you, and you go, you know what? I buy it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to act this way. And I get up from my seat, and he sits right down. Yeah. He said, that's right. Go get him, Chad. 
let me just watch this all fall apart in front of your eyes. What does he do? He pokes the bear, he stirs you, he tries to motivate you, tries to get you off doing something, and then as soon as you do it, he sits there and goes, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you walked away from God. I can't believe you didn't follow God. How dare you? Man, you're never good enough for God. You're never going to be able to serve God. You're good for nothing, worthless piece of trash. I can't believe you call yourself a Christian. Maybe that's just my head. Maybe I'm being a little too transparent. But doesn't he, doesn't he act like that? I mean, his goal is to try and get in a place of authority, but he has been unseated by the cross of Calvary. So what do we have to do? We've got to pull that chair right out from under him. And how do I get setting back down? I set back down on the word of God. I set down on what God says. I don't look at what I'm seeing. I don't look at what I'm hearing. I don't go by what I'm feeling. Good Lord, I don't go by what I'm feeling. But I begin to speak the word and I say, this is my truth. This is what God says about me. If going against the word got me out of my seat, going with the word gets me back in the seat. So I just begin to download this and I say, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I don't know when it's going to happen, but this is what you say about me. So Lord, I thank you for the fruit of the spirit, that love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, self-control. Lord, I am filled with these things. Lord, I thank you that you've given me authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the earth. And I trample him under feet today in the name of Jesus. He said, I'm going, to take, I'm going to destroy, I'm going to unseat them, but you've got to dispossess them. We've got to drive them out. We've got to take a position where we say, you know what? I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm not going to let the devil trip me. And I, I, oh, sometimes I get so mad at myself because I know all of this and I still screw it up. Because he starts feeding my flesh. Chad. Hello. <laughs> Do you feel that? Man, I don't, I don't know what you're going to do about that, but I would be pretty upset if I was you. How, how are you going to respond to that? Are you just going to let somebody do that to you? You deserve way better than that. Oh, man, they, they just don't appreciate you like I do. <laughs> Making me mad right now just thinking about it. Because I listen to it. I listen to it, and I'm, and I'm like, who's talking to me? <laughs> that's, that's right, whoever you are, that's right. That, is it right? No. We've got to catch ourselves and we've got to edit it against the word of God. And I've got to say, wait a minute. That, is that, God said, do not eat the fruit. And the day you eat of it, you will surely die. But he says, you will not surely die. The day you eat of it, you'll be like God. Yeah, but God said, I was already made in his image and his likeness. I don't need to eat a piece of fruit to be like God. He made me like God. You're just jealous and envious. I, I stopped right there. I was, it sounded good up here. You got to let it, don't let it out. So what am I saying? I'm saying God's telling us we've got to change our mindset, our definition of what God means when he says, I'm going to destroy your enemy. 
It does not mean they won't be there anymore. It means they don't have a right to stay anymore. What does the Bible say? Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will do what? He'll flee. Sorry, camera people, that was a little fast. I'm quick. Right? You you submit. (laughs) Submit to God. What do we do first? Submit to the word. Submit. Ooh. You know what submit means? That you get under it. That means you call the shots. That means if I feel this way, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do what you say. Submission is dying. The reason I struggle, the reason I still keep failing at times is because I'm not dead yet. I was... better than glass. It was glass in the first service. But I was just walking down this aisle last night in prayer. And I encourage if you can come on Saturday nights in prayer, Monday night prayer. I was walking and I was praying right there. And he said, it's amazing how much you've not died yet. I was like, Lord, could we be a little nicer about that? (laughs) Because just when I think I've got the upper hand, he reveals an area that I'm still not dead. I still yield to the flesh. I still go with thought patterns that are not from God. Now, again, he's not doing that to condemn me. He's doing that to reveal to me I've still got more to grow, and I'm I'm way deader than I used to be. (laughs) I know that's not great grammar, but it felt good to say it that way. But I've still got more. I've still got more to grow in. And so he said, you're not going to be able to go here Unless you'll die to that more. So stay in your seat, son. That when the devil tries tries to talk you off your perch, stay close to what I say to do and submit. Oh, it's hard. It's hard. Because God's word sometimes says things like, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. And do good to those who despitefully use you. Oh, it's hard to stay under that one. I want to squirm out from under that one. I want to love the people that love me. I want to bless those who are blessing me. And he said, that's, that's an easy one. The heathen do that. But if you want to stay in a place of authority where you can't get knocked off, I want you to submit to doing the hard thing. To doing the thing that causes you to die. He said, I'm going to destroy your enemy. I'm going to unseat the enemy. He has no authority in your life. Because of the cross, he has no authority in your life. He still has presence until the day that Jesus casts him eternally into the lake of fire. Oh, what a day that will be. Woo, I like to remind him about it once in a while. You may have won today. I gave up my seat for a little bit, and I let you have your way in my thoughts and my feelings and cause some havoc in my life, and, but I can repent, and I'm going to get right with God. 
but I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to be chained up and thrown to the lake of fire for all eternity. So enjoy your moment. Because the righteous may fall seven times, but they will arise. I'm telling you, don't let the enemy talk you into a place of, of defeat and condemnation. As long as you have breath in your lungs and the word of God in your life, stand up and say, hey, I'll give you that one. But I, don't, I, don't, I didn't hear no bell. I'm still going to be coming. So what I, what I felt like the Lord wanted to do today was to remind us of our place of authority. And for you to ask him, like he's telling me, where have we given up our seat? And let the enemy have a place in our life that he doesn't have the power to have. He doesn't have the right to have that. He doesn't get to be there without my permission because of Jesus. It's never us, it's always him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.